Welcome back to another episode of the Balcony Shatter Podcast. I am your host, Andrew McKenney, and it's a solar episode for your boy here. And Bruins fans can finally let out a sigh of relief. I am recording this after the Bruins 2-1 overtime win against the New York Islanders at the Coliseum. And, and like I said, I needed to let out a sigh of relief because I'm still stressed out about that game. We were up one nothing basically the entire game until the last five minutes. And the Islanders tied it up. We went to overtime. And it the, the Islanders completely dominated the overtime. From that five minutes on, from that goal and the, and the remaining five minutes of the game, they dominated us. Like, they, they should have won that game. They had the momentum. Of course, the barn, the, the Coliseum was rocking super loud. If you were watching the game on TV, you heard it. Um, there's, no, there's no way you didn't hear that. So they should have had it. You know, that they were the better team in the overtime until the shot by Marshan, which I I keep calling it to, to, you know, people I've talked to about it, a one in a million shot. I mean, it was perfectly placed, no deflection off the, the defenseman, no deflection off the goaltender. It was just perfectly placed, top corner. Uh, I, I don't see a lot of people saving that or anybody. Um, I don't think Marshan knew it was going in either. I think he just took a shot towards the net because he didn't have a play. Uh, their their goaltender had been letting up a lot of rebounds, and that's the way to get them against this guy. I mean, we put, I believe, I don't have the exact number, but it was at least high 30s, if not into the 40s on shots on this guy, and he only let up two goals. He stood on his head completely. We could have had five goals in that game. And it could have went the other way, too. I mean, Tuca made a lot of really nice saves. And there could have been some more other than that one that they got in on a wraparound that they jammed in there. Um, but it, it could have been a higher-scoring game for sure. But the defense on both teams kind of stepped up a little bit. And the Bruins came out on top, which is a huge, huge win. To win game three, especially on the road, I'm going to be honest. The entire day... The, actually, the couple days because we had we had a few days off in between, uh, a little bit of an extended time off going into Game Three from Game Two. I didn't feel good about this game at all. And for people who listened to the podcast before, my prediction was Bruins would win in five games, winning games one and two, losing Game Three, winning games four and five. So, you know, I'm still going to stick with my prediction. Obviously, the Islanders have surprised me a little bit here. We've gone to two games in a row with overtime. I think that I I didn't I don't want to say I didn't give them enough credit, but they seem to be playing us better than I expected. So maybe maybe I should be saying that. Maybe I didn't give them enough credit. They are hanging with us when I had literally said the words the Islanders can't hang with us. So I don't think that we're playing as well as we can play either. We're playing very well, but not good enough that one goal is not going to do it. I don't care who you play. In the playoffs, one goal is not going to be enough. I mean, if every game was one nothing, I would be shocked, and it's just not going to happen. So I think the Bruins need to find the back of the net. Getting Craig Smith back tonight was huge. I mean, we knew that him being out for game two was going to be a big, you know, it was going to hurt us a lot. So getting him back for this game, obviously him scoring the first goal, making a lot of great plays, and he's a, he makes everybody that plays with him better. 
You know, it's the same type of thing with Krejci. Krejci makes everybody around him play better, whether he's drawing defensemen or or whoever is covering him, they're drawing them to him to make a play or get somebody else open. Craig Smith is similar, not not in the sense of he plays the same way as Krejci, but he develops plays and he gets open and he gets to the dirty areas and he does all that stuff. And that's what you really missed when he was out. And I'm not going to say that that's why we lost the game in game two, because, you know, clearly the Islanders, they had the momentum. They played very well. They completely dominated us in the second period of that game. But, you know, it wouldn't have hurt to have him in there, of course. So getting him back tonight was massive. And, We've been saying this all all season, and, and I said this before the season even started when we picked him up. So excited. So excited to get Craig Smith on this team because he's a very good player. Uh, out in Nashville, he was doing great things, and he is one of those guys that clearly makes the locker room better too. I think, I believe it was Taylor Hall that had said he might be the most liked guy I've ever played with. And that's a lot. That's that's That means a lot coming from, from somebody who... As, you know, Taylor, Taylor Hall specifically, who's played on a lot of teams in his short, I guess not short, but a lot of teams for his career. I think he's been in the league for 10 years, and he's played on four or five teams. So, you know, he's been around a lot of guys, and I think that that, that goes a long way. You don't just say that, especially when you're playing on a team with guys like Bergeron and Marchand and, and you know, I think that Craig Smith has a lot of respect around the locker room. I'm sure he gets a lot of respect around the league as well, if that's the case. So getting him was a huge, huge pickup for us, and it's obviously paying off, and it it really started paying off when he got paired up on that line with Krejci and Taylor Hall. So, you know, it's great to have him back in there, and and it was a much-needed boost, and it really helped us. I mean, he, he made a difference from the very beginning of the game. I mean, we scored that goal pretty early, and... He he's just a great guy to have out there, and we needed him back. With that being said, I do have some negatives about this game. Where, you know, obviously the the goal that was let up was Tuka made some great saves in this game, and I don't think that that I don't, I don't really have much bad to say about him at all. The goal that was let up was, you know, it was a wraparound that jammed in. They they got a dirty goal. They they didn't give up on the play, and Barzal got his first goal of the the playoffs, and you know they earned it. At that point, they were buzzing around the ice, and they weren't gonna let the foot off the the pedal, and they earned that goal. And unfortunately for us, there wasn't a lot of time left for us to take the lead again. And they really, like I said earlier, they put the pedal down, and from that moment on when they scored that goal they had all of the momentum going into the overtime I was convinced that we were going to lose we were giving that game away every chance we could get and that leads me into another negative that I have is that we're we're turning the, the puck over way too much you know they're trying to make plays that aren't there they are making these no look passes and they've been making them all all playoff long you know, all the, the first series we were making these same plays, these same mistakes. So I don't know why they're doing it. I don't know why it's not being addressed to stop doing it, but it's just, it's not a good look. Pasta is a turnover machine right now. And I, I obviously he's a great player and I'm not trying to, to 
say that he's not, but it seems to me like he's either scoring a goal or turning the puck over. Like he's not setting up these plays. He's not doing much in back checking. And we all know that he's a better player than that. And he's not playing that way. So I don't know what it is or if it's the, you know, the momentum was too much shifted in the Islanders direction. And there was a lot of times where the puck was bouncing. The ice seemed really bad. A lot of guys were, um, as Jack would say, blowing a tire and there was a lot of, you know, the puck jumping around and not being on the stick. And and Taylor Hall had a great opportunity at a wide open net from a pass from Krejci that bounced enough that he couldn't get the shot off. So I'm not blaming bad ice or bad officiating, which I will get into shortly because there's plenty of that to talk about too. Um, I'm not blaming that stuff. I'm just I'm just observing the fact that there definitely was bad ice, and I don't know why. But, you know, it it clearly played a part in a lot of non-goals because there were a lot that went right by the net or, um, you know, could have snuck in there or whatever, but they bounced the opposite way. And for both teams, it wasn't just the Bruins. I mean, the Islanders had a lot of opportunities as well. And Tuku came up huge in a lot of saves. And, you know, so did their goaltender. I mean, he's the reason that they won that, that uh, uh, that they were in that game. You know, because up until the last five minutes, they we we had them the entire game. We, you know, we, there was some even play a lot, a lot of the time, but you know, overall, we had outplayed them in that game. And I, I mean, that was because of their goaltender putting up forty shots on a guy and him only letting two shots in is pretty damn good. So you cannot take that lightly. I, I think that we said this at the beginning of this series. We say this at the beginning of every series, I guess. It's, it all comes down to goaltending. I mean, w- talking with, with Ryan Spooner the other day, he kind of reiterated that as well, that it all comes down to how well Tuka Rask is going to play. And it all comes down to how well the opposing team's goalie is going to play too. And I know that's, I mean, you're listening to this and being like, obviously, the goalie's going to stop all the pucks and, you know, whichever goalie stops more pucks is is the better goalie. Yeah, no, obviously. But what I'm saying is, he played out of his mind. We just happened to score a couple goals on him, and and Marshan again with that one in a million shot that was the was perfectly placed and perfect perfect speed and everything. So, you know they they had every opportunity to come back in that game as well, and their goaltender is the reason that they had that chance because it could have easily been five to nothing, and it or could have easily been three to three. I mean, Tuca saved a ton of great ones as well, and you know it just we we. It wasn't for lack of offensive trying this game. You know, we've had a lot of games in the past where we weren't putting enough shots on net. We weren't getting enough chances. And this guy lets up a lot of rebounds, and that's what they need to do is just keep putting shots on him, keep peppering the puck at the net because that's what's going to happen. You're not always going to get these goals like Marshan just scored in overtime tonight. You're going to get the ones that are dirty, that he lets up a big rebound and you tap it in or whatever, you know, or maybe you are going to get those those two-on-ones, or a nice shot's going to go in. But more than likely, it doesn't seem like that's going to be how it is with this guy. And I don't think, you know, that's always what I am hopeful for in the playoffs anyway because every goaltender is typically playing their best hockey. And you're usually, because they've made it this far in the playoffs, going up against a great goaltender. So I always want to see more shots on net. And I always want to see rebounds because I don't care about the fancy-looking goals. 
those are those are reserved for middle of the season, you know, try it out and make a nice spinning move or whatever you got to do and make a, a highlight real goal. Great. In the playoffs, all I care about is the goal. I don't care how it happens. If they jam it in like Barzal did tonight or or if you make that nice shot like Martian, I don't really care. A goal is a goal, and that's all that really matters. So knowing how big his rebounds have been watching the last two games, I think you have to just keep putting 40 shots on him every game or you know, keep trying to put as many shots as possible on him and look for those rebounds. You know, I, I know that Nick Ritchie's not, aside from this year, you know, he's obviously played very, very well, but he's not known to be a goal scorer normally. But he should have more goals in these in the postseason just based on the fact that if this guy's letting up big rebounds, he should be planting right in front of the net like he was doing before on the power play. It was working so well for him when he was on that first unit. And getting those goals that are going to be a chip in or or at least like digging it out of there. You know, I'm not saying that he needs to go back in the first power play unit, but I would like to see him get one because I think he's due. And I know I was going to talk about the officiating and I, and I guess I'll get into that too right now because I, look, I'm going to I'm going to say this beforehand. I'm not blaming Last game, I'm not saying that even if we had lost this game today, I'm not blaming it on officiating. I'm just stating the fact that the officiating has been so bad going both ways that I don't even understand what is going on. You know, like they're they're calling, perfect example, penalty against Corrali, two minutes left in the game. Islanders are already rolling at this point, and it's two, uh, it's 1-1, tie game, of the playoffs, right? And Corrali cross-checks this guy. Clearly a cross-check, but a very, very soft cross-check. Ones that, a cross-check that, if you looked at all of the ones in the game tonight, that wasn't even close to being the worst. And they didn't call any of those other ones. So, the fact that that's the one that they choose to call with a tie game with two minutes left, I think is insane. And and same goes for, for all the calls that they missed. You know, like if you're gonna if you're gonna call this these penalties, call them. But if you're not and you're gonna let them play, don't call one like that. You know, there's a lot of them that are out there that just like they're just bogus calls. I understand if it's a penalty, it's a penalty. You have to call it. But there were so many that they could have called that they didn't. So many that they should have called that they didn't. And then there was a bunch that they just let go. So. There's no consistency to their their officiating, and I don't know what they're going to do about it. The other thing is I cannot be the only one that notices that they won't just drop the puck. The Bruins, I, I'm not, maybe I'm noticing it more because the Bruins can't win a faceoff to save their life, it seems like. Um, I don't know what's going on with Bergeron because obviously he's usually the faceoff king. And he seems to be struggling a bit the last couple games, but I mean, I don't. They're they're way more concerned about what the guys doing behind them on the dot or, or on the in the circle, and they just don't want to drop the puck. And it's take it's dragging the game, and you know, f- f- you have a team, whether it's the Bruins, whether it's the Islanders, who have a ton of momentum going for them. 
They get a, a whistle and they go for a faceoff. The, they're completely, they're ready to go. They're ready to go. And then it takes them two minutes, three minutes to drop the puck because they just keep blowing the whistle, throwing a guy out. And then, oh, I dropped it wrong. Oh, it went the wrong way. I, I just don't understand what they're getting at. Again, it goes back to there's no consistency in it. I don't understand where the decision making that they're doing is coming from. It just I don't I don't get it. So I think that the NHL needs to to figure out. I don't know. I mean, obviously you can't just sit them down and be like, "What's going on?" But at least ask what the problem is because there's clearly a problem. I don't I don't understand. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm rambling right now, and and everybody that's listening is going, you know, I don't I don't see it. You're the only one that sees them not dropping the puck, and it's not annoying. And who who knows? I'm probably wrong, but I'm gonna say it anyway because this is my podcast. So, but overall, I mean, like I said, we we pretty much own that whole game, and and I'm still. We won that game in overtime, and I I said out loud, I'm not happy. I didn't think that I felt bad going into the game, and then I felt bad going into the overtime, and the Islanders clearly should have won that if you were basing it off of just the overtime. If you're basing it off the entire game, of course we should have won. We outplayed them. We outshot them. Everything. We we had more. We had the better chances. Um, They had some chances as well, but overall, we absolutely had the better chances. So I think... It was a great win, and it was a huge, huge win because if they win two in a row, especially at home, and then they you know, they go on a Saturday game, if you thought it was loud tonight, it's going to be even louder on Saturday because people don't have to go to work the next day. People are going to be tailgating all day long because the Coliseum is one of the few places in the NHL that you can still tailgate um, or that you can tailgate at all because a lot of places that are in the city you really have no no chance to tailgate, no opportunity. So um, the only other place so far that I've been to is Florida that does that. So the Panthers, great time up there um, for, you know, game day experience and, and all that. But, uh, you know, I, I rag on Islanders a lot because I got a bunch of Islander fan friends. So, but But I love going to the Coliseum. It's a great time. You know, I wish that this wasn't, the last year that they were playing there. Uh, but it's it's a good place to see a game, and it's fun, and it's, you know, getting in and out of there is a good time because, like I said, people are tailgating and having fun outside, and then you go inside and you come back, come back out, and it's kind of like football. You know, you kind of wait out the traffic and, and tailgate and mess around or whatever. So it's a good time up there, and I've always had, you know, great memories and, uh, might even be at the game on Saturday, so we'll see. But I think that's what I'm that's what I'm getting at here is that it's gonna be loud on Saturday. People are gonna be partying all day long, and they're gonna be ready for that game. And again, if you thought it was loud tonight, it's gonna be even louder then. Especially because it's not the end of the series, obviously. But this is a huge do or die for that. Not, I hate to say things like do or die. But for, to go down three to one with a team going back home, and then it's again, it's there. It's you, the, the whichever team is three three to one, it's their series to lose. So 
it's really tough to dig out of that hole. I mean, unless you're a team like Montreal who beat another team called the Toronto Maple Leafs um, who were up 3-1 against Montreal, but Montreal came back, won it in Game 7. Toronto hasn't made it out of the first round in a super long time. We don't really have to talk about that, but I just wanted to make sure that I said it on here because it's very important. Um, everybody should know. And if you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, you're not because you're not listening to this. But anyways, back to the Islanders. <laughs> It's gonna be a loud. It's gonna be a loud game. You know this. This game's not gonna be easy on Saturday. They're not gonna lay down. They're not gonna give up. I mean, clearly they could have won the last two games. They won game two. They could have easily won tonight in overtime. And they're gonna be hungry for that win to try to even it up, um, and not go down three to one. So you, they can't take it lightly. They really need everybody to step up again. They need Tuca to play out of his mind. Uh, and, and one one other thing that I I don't really love, but I I like the transparency of of Cassidy, basically saying that Tukarask isn't a hundred percent, which is fair. Like I understand that nobody's really ever a hundred percent come playoff time. Usually, uh, at least from what we hear after playoffs are over, everybody has something. Whether it's a you know they pull the muscle or whatever, something small or something big, you never know. But he said Tuca's dealing with an injury. He's not 100%. And obviously, we don't know what that is, whether it's a back thing again, whether it's a groin, whether it's something like that. We just don't know. But Tuca has played like he's 100%. I'll say that. I haven't really seen any any times where he's looked weak, where he looks like he's slow to get up. Uh, maybe I missed it, but I haven't noticed it so far, and he looks like he's playing... The best that he, the best, you know, he's he's a, he's an elite goaltender, so he's playing that way right now. I mean, he's keeping us in some of these games. I would say probably all of these games, except for the game where we really put a bunch on on the Islanders. But, um, you know, Tuca's a huge part of that, and he really needs to continue to be that because this Islander team is not going to give up. It's going to be a tough game on Saturday, and we really need everybody, including the defense, to step up and play to the best of their ability, which also I should mention scary, scary looking hit on Brandon Carlo. And it wasn't even really, and it didn't look intentional. It didn't look like he was even trying to do what he did. I believe it was Clutterbuck that hit him. Um, he, it didn't look like he was trying to do anything. Carlo hit his head on the glass and he went down. And then he tried to get up, and his legs were just gel. And he could not stand, and he fell down to the ice, and they blew the whistle. They blew it dead. And this is one of those times where, you know, I think it's it's necessary because it was a head injury. There's a difference between somebody that has a broken wrist and they're down on the ice and they just don't want to skate to the bench fast enough, and they blow the whistle dead when there's a play in transition. You know, this is a head injury. The guy clearly couldn't see where he was. I mean, he didn't, the, the the medical staff came over and he shook his head no, and that pretty much told you everything you needed to know about what was going on. This is this would be his second concussion of the season if he does have a concussion. Thanks a lot, Tom Wilson. Appreciate it. You're, um, I'm not going to, you know what? I'm not even going to do it. But this could be his second concussion of the season, and that's very bad. He's a young player. Head head trauma is never good in any sport. 
or just in general, it could lead to a short career for Carlo here um, if this continues because you just cannot sustain injuries like that and keep playing and and expect to live your life normally. You know, there's only so many times that you can get concussed before they tell you, look, this this is not going to be good for you long term. So I hope that I'm wrong. I am hope that he just got shook up and that he is going to be all right. We're already down a bunch of defensemen, but I don't really care about that. I care about him being okay. Um, so I, I, my guess is we're going to see Tenorti slot in their next game. Uh, we're already down Miller. We're down Kampfer. We're down um, John Moore. You know, none of those guys, it's maybe Miller at some point, not this series is my guess, but maybe some point if we make it to the sec- the third round. Uh, but I think you're going to see Tenorti slot back in there, which I am fine with. Obviously, I'd rather Carlo in there. I'd rather him healthy. I don't want to see anybody get injured on any team. But I I like Tenorti's game. He's a big body. He hits hard. He plays good defense. Not very, you know, he's not known for his offensive skill. He's not known for his playmaking. But if he goes in there, he's going to be a very good defenseman for us. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him play if it comes down to that. But once again... I hope Carlo's okay. I hope that maybe he misses a game or, you know, whatever. Uh, but health is the most important thing, so fingers crossed. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's just it's tough to lose a guy like that because he's a big part of your defense. But I think that Tenorti can slot in there and be good. But it just keeps leading me back to you know, what I said a little bit earlier is everybody needs to step up and play their best game, you know, and it's next man up mentality with this team too, where Tenorti's played a bunch of games this season and he's played well. So I think that he's able to slot into that, into the team and really just do it kind of seamlessly. So if he can come in and do that and then everybody else plays and we score more than two goals, we score more than one goal in regulation. I think we win. I talked to friend of the podcast, uh, Anthony Grambo, about the game right afterwards. And, you know, he's very, very confident that the Bruins will lose on Saturday. He says there's no way that the Islanders go down 3-1. to one. Um, So, I, I mean, I think he's delusional. But he, he knows his team. So, you know, I got to at least... Give him a little bit of credit, but I don't see it. I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, they obviously they're they're playing well right now, the Islanders. But the only reason that we lost tonight is because we couldn't find the back of the net more than once. Or the only, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say it like that. The only reason that we didn't win in regulation is because we couldn't find the back of the net. So I think that if we put up a couple two, three, four goals, I, I think that it's over. I think that we win the game. I mean, I, I think that the Islanders will will score a couple goals as well, but, you know, as long as we produce offensively, I think that it'll be good. And, you know, I feel confident. I feel a lot more confident going into Saturday than I do about going into today. 
because I, I always thought that we were going to lose game three when they get full capacity there. I think they were at about 90%, you know, or, or even maybe even more. But uh, I, I didn't feel good about this game, but I feel good about Saturday, and I'm looking forward to, to that and hopefully getting the win and coming back home and seeing what we can do with that. But it's one game at a time right now, and, you know, I think that we really need to keep the, the pedal down and get some more goals because the Islanders are going to be hungry. They're going to want it, and we just need to want it more. So I, I'm sure that I will be getting back on here, um, you know, early next week, maybe after game five with Tim, and we'll talk about game game four, game five, and then, you know, maybe we'll put the the episode out a little bit early next week and get it out before game six, um, if if necessary. So, typically we would have also talked about the Celtics tonight, which I don't think that we really need to talk about it. All you need to know is that they lost to the Brooklyn Nets, and we will have plenty of stuff to talk about with that, wrap up the season with the NBA, um, probably next week with, like I said, with Tim. And I'm sure that he has a lot of, uh, let's just say, thoughts on how it went and also maybe what the future might hold. And I would love to have the conversation with him on here about Danny Ainge stepping down, Brad Stevens taking over, um, and the new, you know, the search for a new head coach. So we're going to have a good one next week. And hopefully we are talking about a lot more Bruins wins, a lot more Bruins goals. Um, I'd love to see Tuca really get, you know, really stand up again and get get a couple wins here, get get feeling even better, and, uh, you know, hopefully get into that next round. Nothing's over till it's over. This is a long series. We're up two games to one. It's not over at all. So if anybody thinks that it's over, they're crazy. But it was a hell of a game tonight. And like I said at the beginning of this, everybody can let out a little bit of a sigh of relief because that was a stressful game. Being up one nothing is tough. I mean, the whole entire time for both teams. It's like I, I would have felt a lot more comfortable, obviously, with 2 nothing, 3 nothing, 3-1, something like that. But that's just not how it went. But we pulled out the win in overtime. Brad Marchand, once again, the hero that everybody is always, you know, everybody hates that he scored that goal tonight. Everybody that isn't a Bruins fan, they hate it. And he feeds off of that, and we all love it. And, you know, we wouldn't we wouldn't want it any other way. So we're on to Saturday. We're hoping for a win. Go Bruins. And, uh, and we'll be back next week. Tim and I talking about Bruins, talking about Celtics, and anything else you guys want to talk about. So send us a DM if you got a topic that you want us to talk about or shoot us a text or a call, leave us a voicemail, um, and we'll play it on the show or we'll talk about it or whatever. So um, hit us up. Thank you, guys. Uh, appreciate everybody that follows us on Instagram and Twitter and uh, now TikTok a little bit. So thank you guys for everything. We'll be back next week. Go Bruins. Was it all?